podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm one of your co-hosts, Menners. I'm joined, as ever, by Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Uh, good. G'day, everyone. And it is uh, my great pleasure to introduce one of the good friends of the show. So this podcast has been going for 10 years this year. And I'm joined by John Norman from TalkSport, the cricket editor, who's been coming on for, you know, the best part of 10 years. John, welcome back. It must be that time of the year, eh? There's something in, there's something in the air. Finally, it stopped raining in the UK. And there's just that sense of, uh, of excitement. Obviously, we had some big news this week, uh, cricket-wise, but uh, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to be back on the show. And it just means one thing, doesn't it? It means we can we can lock horns once again ahead of uh, what what could be the best asses in the ten years that the show's been going. I, I would say. Wow, that's a big call early. So, I, yeah, the ashes are just under a month away. I mean. John, you, you mentioned the, the rain. So I want to start here. I want to start with your you know, local expertise being a POM. You know, my, can, my feelings around this series, because it's being played in June, July, that the weather could play a bigger part than is being talked about. Everyone's talking about basball. Everyone's talking about wickets. But in the end, if it's raining and it's cloudy overhead, the ball's going to hoop around. And whatever the grounds want to do, it's still it's going to be good for bowling. And then the teams come closer together, basketball becomes harder to play, and then who knows what we could get. So tell me, what's huh? your thoughts around the weather? Yeah, that's a good call, actually. It's not one that I've really heard um, mentioned too much here. I find it interesting that you think that that would bring the teams closer together. I think in some ways that would bring the England more into the, uh, into the equation because, of course, if the ball moves and with Australia's record against you know, lateral movement and uh, the moving ball, England's strengths. You've got to say now, looking back very traditionally, back to the likes of Anderson abroad and Robinson, rather than the out-and-out explosive pace of Wood, Archer and Stone. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a difficult one to call with the weather because it just seems like the whole world has just gone a bit, a bit crazy. I was in New Zealand in February and it was just like being in England in February, to be honest with you. A couple of nice hot days, but there were cyclones, there was horrible weather. Um, and then I got back to England and it has been like being in England in the winter. It's it, This week is the first week that it's felt like spring. So what the weather is going to do in June and July is anybody's guess. I mean, the county championship started in April. I mean, I think Gloucestershire have, have lost the best part of two full games, two full four-day games to the weather. It's been terrible. Um, but, yeah, if the weather does play a part, I, I, there's another huge area where I think it would come to England's aid if the, if, if the matches were affected, and that is Ben Stokes' knee. Ben Stokes' knee. I don't know if you've seen him. Well, he hasn't played much IPL cricket, but I'm not sure if you've seen Stokes in the last six to six months or so. He's got a massive problem with his knee. Um, mm. It doesn't stop him bowling 12 over spells at times, but essentially the problem with England's tactics is that they're going in with this idea that they're going to have one of Mark Wood, Joff Archer, Ollie Stone inside to bowl that enforcing role. The short pitch stuff, the short bursts. We know how it works. Now, we know Archer's out, sadly. 
We know Wally Stone's definitely going to miss the first two, and I'm not sure how much he would have played anyway. Brydon Cast, a Durham seamer, tall seamer from the old school. They seem to just churn him out up there. He's out for the summer. So it's Mark Wood or bust. Mark Wood cannot play five test matches. That is for sure. So what that means is, is that Spen Stokes is going to have to bowl that enforcer role. He's going to have to be that player that's going to be banging it in. And that in itself is going to cause his injury no end of good. And if we do have these flat tracks, where we do have these high-scoring encounters, we do have these five-day games, with the back-to-back nature of things, I will be very, very concerned of the impact that would make on Ben Stokes' fitness. Interesting. It's an interesting one because I think that the reason Menes was saying it brings them closer together, I think Menes is so bullish about Australia. He's saying that... um. England are the rampant underdogs that that, that might yeah absolutely up. yeah yeah I wanted to correct the record um I was wondering it's not it's not like you manners to be you know yeah because I think if, if Australia plays you on flat decks that's just like playing down under here and um you know it'd be but that but so I spoke to Rob Key yesterday the managing director and I said drop, to him name drop well, and I said to him you know a month ago Ben Stokes is quoted as in essentially ordering the ground staff up and down the country to prepare fast, flat pitches. That's what he wanted. Mm. And I said, do you still want that? Because, I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't yeah. think that plays to our strengths if half no. our bowlers are injured. And even if they are injured, aren't injured, it still doesn't really play to our strengths. Um, and he said, the main thing is entertaining cricket. So there you have it. It's a... Um... It seems like there's almost a threshold that's been crossed because obviously we always talk about how after they went behind the paywall in 2005 that a whole generation has been lost to to cricket in England. But it was already a sport that it's never had the popularity in England that it does in Australia, certainly in the last many, many decades. But uh, it almost seems like it's it's even dropped another cog to the point where they're just saying, we've kind of got nothing to lose. Uh, let's go out and ent- entertain. Is that... Is that an accurate summary? I certainly noticed that cricketers are more famous in Australia, for sure. You know, you only have to travel around. And in fairness, I haven't been to Australia personally for a, for a couple of years. But essentially, you know, who are the people, um, who are the faces that you see promoting products? You know, and you do see them, don't you? You see, you see the Adam Gilchrist popping up left, right, centre. You see a lot of Australian cricketers as a face of, of products and you don't really see that in this country um mm. cricket did disappear behind the paywall in 2005 and it's interesting that still 2005 that gets mentioned as the moment a lot of these current cricketers fell in love with the game and that's what they want to do again um has it dipped even further in terms of popularity is that why you know the likes of brendan mccullum and ben stokes are kind of like risking all just to try and get that you know get that trafalgar trafalgar square moment again possibly Certainly the figures that were out this year or this week, actually, or last week from the ECB suggests that cricket is still a massively popular sport in this country. You know, that all the Ashes tests are sold out. The, the attendance for cricket is, is huge. Um, if you're domestic... ground, you can only get 15,000 people in a day. So, yeah, but then yeah. we've got 18 counties, haven't we? You know, yeah, and these, but we've got, if you look at county cricket mm. compared to shield cricket, they get, Massive, they get much, much bigger numbers. If you look at T20 cricket um, and the 100, if we can throw that in there as well, you know, there's they're massive, massive um, 
uh, numbers compared to what you get in Australia. So there is there is interest there. Whether it's a problem still in this country, yeah, I, I would suggest so. And would a, a 2005 type Ashes be welcome, even if it is still stuck behind the paywall? Yeah, I think it's needed. There is one. There is one other thing I just thought of off the back of that, and I would say that English cricket is probably you may disagree is probably better followed away than it is Australian cricket. So oh, definitely. So it, it, in England, it may not have the peaks, but it has the the consistency. It's it's still a ten month year ten month a year sport, possibly even twelve month a year because the county championships have been pushed to April now. So essentially England are on tour um, for what, five months a year. The domestic season is four or five months a year. So, um, so yeah, it's still very visible sport and it's never, ever more visible than when the Ashes take place. It's, it's still the only series that really transcends, transcends the game and stops people and gets people talking who normally would never never bother with the sport yeah i mean that's that that 2005 is referred to regularly for good reason it was just such an amazing series and it did get that cut through even in australia it got more cut through than any other series that i've ever seen um but um yeah i noticed in the times they um the last couple of days they published a guide to the ashes which um doesn't surprise me but they're you know they're saying lunch break is 40 minutes and stuff that you would just never see um in an Australian paper about, you might say about a, a minor sport here, like rugby union or something, they might have a, a guide to how it works, but um, it, it's kind of, it's heartening to hear that it's still kind of um, ticking along um, stronger than it might look from, from the, from outside. Do you see some parallels between 2023 and 2005? Because I think I, I do um, yep. in, ter in terms of the quality that's going to be on show. And I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, I wouldn't have been saying this 12 months ago when I think most English fans really feared the worst. I thought England were going to lose the Ashes quite comfortably, actually. So still it, might. Been, it still might. I, yeah, I mean, it's a risk. It's a high-risk strategy mm. that is being employed by England. Um, but we've got the, we, you've got the quality there. Um, and you've got the characters, you know. I mean, the David Warner conundrum, you know, whatever happens with Warner, he is a he is a character. He is. He stands up there with the likes of Shane Warne and Ricky Ponting. You know these guys that used to come over here, and you know he's got that something about him. Um, so, I, and I think England have got players now. Whereas before, you, I remember Ian Bell hitting three centuries in two thousand and thirteen. I think it was, and Belly was a brilliant player for us. But you know he wasn't a character. But Ben Stokes is a character. Johnny, Johnny Bairstow is, a, is yeah. a character. You know, this England team has now got characters and Australia have got characters as well. And I think that's another parallel with what happened back in 2005. I, and do I think, think also just the commitment to fast scoring. I mean, some of the, mm. um, I, I always think 2005 was better than 1981 simply because although, you know, both of them played some amazing innings in 81, the general rate of scoring was, was slow. But, you know, England getting 400 plus on the first day at Edveston, that's something that was not ne never seen before or since, but now it is possible um, again. So yeah, I, I, I can definitely see um, some parallels there, and I think it's the right way to play. That more often than not, playing with freedom, without being reckless, um, you end up probably looking back and thinking that was the right way. That was the right way to play. You know, if they if they played baseball in Adelaide in two thousand and six, they wouldn't have lost that game. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in Adelaide in two thousand and six. I think that the whole baseball thing. 
was I was still having nightmares about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, it was like a seven-hour horror show. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, I backed Australia at 80 to 1. I loved it. Well, so I it's the only day's, day's play I've ever gone to where I brought a book. I'd just written it off as a draw. Uh, we would have been quite happy with that. You know, after Ashley Giles put down Ricky Ponting on day two, it was a draw all day. And then uh, within about half an hour, I think it must have been, was it KP's wicket? I can't remember. It might have been even earlier than that. We were one down. And I remember the second wicket, there was just that sinking feeling in the, in the Barmy Army. Uh, and we knew. We knew it was going to go the way it did. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Well, just aggressive scoring. But I think broadly speaking, you know, to your point about it being a good series, I think this Australian side is better than the one that came in 2019. A lot of the same personnel, but more experience. You know, Travis Head's a better player. Usman Khawaja is in better form. Manus Labashain's, you know, uh, a world beater now. Uh, Plus the bowlers. So I think Australia's in good shape. Obviously, England's in very good shape, but then but I guess... you've got a better captain as well. So yeah. Australia should Australia should have won in two thousand and nineteen. I mean, mm. you know, uh, you can. What was it... he doing at the Oval? What the fuck was no he doing? Idea. I have no idea. Bat, two thousand and nineteen. You can point to Edgbaston and say, well, if we're being in hindsight, I suppose if Anderson doesn't hobble off after four overs, England pretty much win that match. You would have thought. Um, but headingly, Australia win that match, you know, 99 times out of 100. And I still can't believe that they, they bowled first at the Oval. I mean, that was just an absolutely no, incredible don't. moment. So that should have been, you know, and England come off the back of that World Cup. You know, don't underestimate how much that took out of them. It was their focus for that summer. Um, they were there. But, yeah, I agree. I think your batting is better than 2019. Um We've got the destroyer, Scott Bowler, now. We didn't have him last time. So I think we're in good shape. I think, you know, England's in good shape. You know, it's... it's Yeah, and that's another reason why it's going to be a fantastic summer, is it? But both teams are in really good shape. Hey, quick question. Oh, sorry, you go, Venice. No, no, I was just going to say, Johnny, you particularly worried, though, about the injuries. You know, a groin strain to Jimmy Anderson. Archer's already out, but... Yeah, Paul and I were saying in our last show that we had doubts Arch would ever be there. I don't know how you felt about that. Stokes yeah. with his knee, you know, are these injuries now just on the the cusp of the summer starting to concern you? Massively, massively. I, I, Anderson, yeah, you're always going to be concerned about, but the same with with Hazelwood, isn't it? Hazelwood's got has yes. got injuries, it, and it happens. Pat Cummins could get an injury. You just don't know. Um, can England survive without Anderson? Probably yes, in a way that they couldn't have done before, just because Robinson is, you know, Robinson is going to play all five. He is an exceptional talent. And I think that, you know, he's got something to prove. He was, you know, ridiculed, dropped, um, chastised. His career, really, he was at a sliding doors moment after the last Ashes. This would be quite a story to be- to bookend that. He is a natural successor to both Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson. Um, Broad will be there, thereabouts. So you've got an Anderson, Broad and Robinson. You've got those three. If Anderson falls down, you do have Chris Wokes as well. But it's it's it, it's Stokes. He is the one for me. If he, he's He'll do everything he can. He reminds me of Flintoff a bit. You remember 2009 when he was just, he just 
He couldn't play at Headingley, even though he wanted to. They they just said, you can't, you can't, your leg's going to fall off pretty much. And it's just the way that he employs himself as that enforcer role. The way he's kind of, you know, he's all, he leads from the front. Um, if he, if he is injured, that could be it for England. That That's the one. That is the key one. He, uh, he brings so much to that side. He is the conduit from Brendan McCullum to the to the to the team. He is England's best fielder. He is the best captain. He is the third string bolt fast bowler. He's the one that makes things happen. And as we saw at Headingley, he's capable of of reaching levels that no other player in the world, arguably outside maybe Steve Smith, can actually can actually reach. So that's the injury. That's the one I'm. If there's any concern, it's there. It's Stokes. Yeah, interesting. What do you think about the decision to leave Ben Folks out of the, the test match against Ireland? And it seems like they're going to go with Johnny Bairstow with the gloves um, for the Ashes as well. Well, there was no surprise. You know, there was never, ever a discussion that Stokes could open. Um, the Bairstow was slotting at six. Bairstow was always going to play. Brendan McCullum said that back in uh, February, I think it was. So, folks has also dropped for a test match or rotated or rested or whatever against Pakistan. Oli Pope was given the gloves. That told you everything you needed to know. And Bairstow's form. I mean, I, I was at Headingley in 2019. The greatest innings I've ever seen. The greatest test match I've ever seen. And four years on, I still can't quite get my head around what I saw that day. But you know what? Johnny Bairstow against New Zealand at Trent Bridge last year pushed it close. He was reaching levels of consistency as well that even Stokes hasn't hasn't managed. Reeling off fourth inning centuries in huge run chases at great speed with all the shots. So you can see why he's back in. Whether he is still that player off that awful injury and whether he can also keep wicket that when you're talking about concerns, that is another one. But I can see why the decision was made. But you've got to feel sorry for folks. Well, you might. Uh, you I might, might have missed it. But... No, don't definitely not. <laughs> I, I might have missed it. But did you say that Stokes is not going to be opening? Um, is that um, is that still a possibility? No. And there is the other concern. Zach Crawley will definitely be opening alongside Ben Duckett. The Ashes, you know, the Ashes ends careers. We know that. Um, and it, Lion, it Lion said it. Lion said it. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, he said it in a way that maybe he probably regrets. But at the <laughs> end of the day, there's going to be one or two Australian players who never play for Australia again at the end of this series. And same could be said for England. And, you know, Zach Crawley is going to be under a huge amount of pressure. The one thing I'll say for Crawley, though, is that he comes into the side knowing that the Australian team probably have got a little bit of respect for him, maybe more so than some of the England fans, because he came into that 2021-22 Ashes side and, and he performed okay toward, in, the, in the two matches he got at the end. Those fast, flat tracks that we're talking about, they would definitely suit him. And he is the kind of player that can take a game away from you. You know, he's he is an explosive talent and... If it works one test in five and England win a test because of it, then maybe, maybe if they win one or two others, thanks to more conventional players or means, then it's seen as an absolute masterstroke. But, whoa, it's a huge, huge call and a big risk.
Yeah, very much so. I'm pretty confident uh, against that that combination. Just just on sort of what's at stake, you know. You know, broadly speaking, John, I mean, you know, this basketball has all been fine. You can have your fun against everyone else. But, you know, when it comes to the Ashes, you know, if England gets towed up and it's, you know, a bit of a shellacking, which, which you know, could happen, you know, could all go go up, up uh, all wrong, all these, you know, you can't keep chasing 400 on the last day. Um, so if, if it goes wrong, what's at stake? I mean, could they just turf this whole this whole mantra out the door by the end of the summer? Well, the ashes mean everything. And as you say, with the greatest respect, it's all well and good doing this against pretty much every other test side in the world. But it may work against all every other test side in the world. But if it doesn't work against Australia, then there will be criticism. Of course, it depends how it happens. You know, at the end of a you know, buccaneering summer of cricket where two heavyweights have exchanged blows. And at the final day, in the final session, Australia get through to win 3-2 at the Oval in what is regarded as equal to 2005. Then, you know, there'll be disappointment, but there'll also be, you know, respect. And I suppose Mm. the entertainment factor will outweigh the result. But... If England are 2-0 down after two test matches, you know, a, a sequence of horrendously poor uh, shots at, at horrendously poor times of the day, and, it, you know, they, 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 they go down to two heavy defeats and the Ashes is done, then, yeah, I mean, not only will there be criticism of this series, but there will be questions asked about some of the stuff that happened in some of the test matches that led into this one as well. Um we we love to, you know, build people up and knock them down again. And the Ashes is a perfect excuse to do exactly that if it all goes terribly wrong. We've never done that on this podcast, ever. <laughs> um. Hey, just, well, uh, could I jump up one thing? Um, go for it. With, um, I mean, Crawley, he's only 25, so maybe there's more upside. But just looking at his record... His average is his batting average is worse than Chris Wokes. Why not? Why not um, open with Stokes and bring Wokes in as an Australian fan? I'm scared of Wokes in English conditions with bat and ball. I'm not scared of Crawley. I think that there's a real kind of, you know, back to basics approach to how England have gone about pre- playing their cricket, and they've the same as well not just playing the cricket, selecting their teams. You know, for the last, all the build-up to the last Ashes, it was all about, you know, can Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad really make it through? Should they be rested for the other matches, said that they're ready for that? We need to see who's coming in from behind. And, you know, Bairstow played at three, four, five, six, and seven. And Moeen Ali was the first spinner, second spinner, not a spinner, batter only. And then Rob Key came in, Brendan McCullough, Ben Stokes came in, and went, whoa, let's just pick our best team, right? Let's just forget what's coming. Let's just pick our best team. Let's pick the best wicketkeeper, the best opener, the best number three, the best bowler, blah, blah, blah. That's what they've done. And that's what they've kept faith with. And that's why they didn't even contemplate Chris Wokes opening because that is square pegs or round holes or whatever yeah. the phrase is. It's, a, it's, it's another it, one of Paul's crazy ideas, John. Just a, it, just a ludicrous notion that we're never going to happen. Mean, yeah. I mean, funnily enough, Will McPherson in the Telegraph and um, even Steve Harmison threw it out there, you know, Stokes to open 
And that, of course, means that uh, folks can play and Bearstow can slot in at six. It kind of makes sense, but it goes against everything that this selection panel is all about. It's, it's about just almost just doing the basics right and letting everything else follow. Uh, how optimistic are you, John? Well, I'm more optimistic than I was 12 months ago. You know, when you look at the run of form uh, and results that England have been on, let's go back. What, what are we now? So it's May, middle of May 2023. Where were we? Middle of May 2022. Tell you where we are. Were. England had just been dry humped by Australia again. And then they'd gone the to the West Indies and they'd lost 1-0. You know, their record away from home over the previous four years was abysmal. They'd lost pretty much everywhere apart from Sri Lanka. And um, at home, they were, they'd lost to New Zealand in 2021 at home. Uh, they'd lost against, they were 2-1 down against India uh, with that one test match, which was called off to play. They, they were in desperate sorts. You know, there was um, timid leadership. There was nobody other than Joe Root was scoring any runs. There was an over-reliance on bowling in English conditions. They were, it was defensive cricket. It was boring cricket. Mm. And See, then, this is good. There's hope now. See, this is what I like to hear. There's hope yeah. now. This is so when, well, the, when the loss comes, it'll be more painful. This is great. I love, oh, this mate. Fantastic. Manners, Paul, you both had hair the last time Australia won a test series <laughs> in England. You know, there's many, many changes in your lives aside from that. You know, when I was on my honeymoon. Eat, I was on my well, there, there, there we go. Lords. No children, hair, you know, yes. we hadn't, you know, Donald Trump. I don't even know if we knew Donald Trump was back then. I mean, it was, it was a different world. So, yeah, of course, there's always a fear, a huge fear that Australia are going to win here. I, I just don't, I desperately don't want to see it this summer. But I've what I never have... lived, I've also <laughs> never lived through my team going away and losing 5 0 in an Ashes like three times. In my lifetime, is it well three times in your lifetime? Five he's not born in 1920, yeah. 2021. At least twice, at least twice. Well, I, I saw, mate, I saw every day, every ball, every day, 2006, Good, great. Um, but then I was also there in 2010 11 when we beat you in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and my hairline wasn't oh, that different to what it is oh, now. Oh, so, you know, says says a lot. But yeah, there's um. So, so there's yeah, hope. There's, there's, like there's, there's hope. There's no, there's there's hope. There's there's more expectation. But do you know mm. what it is? There's excitement. I've honestly got more excitement going into this Ashes than I have had since 2005. I think. Wow. I think we have got in this country. You know, I can tell you seem excited. Yeah, I have. The ticket sales reflect and I don't, and I and I don't know what's going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. In 2013, 2015, 2019, 2009 was a little bit of a after Lord Mayor's show. We'd just been we'd just been defeated five 0 so weren't quite so sure about that one. But this one, I mean, this could go one way or the other. You know, it mm. really could. There's so many variables in there, um, and there's so. I can't, see, I can't I, I, see you smashing us. Like I can't see you smashing us, but I could kind of see us smashing you now. Like just I, rolling I, I over think, you like a dump truck, just like just oh, there's England cricket again. Yeah, England cricket that has beaten you every time you've been here since two thousand and one. 
Except for 29. I know. Well, even then, it was that was. Well, you said we should have won, but you're right. But now, you said, hold on a second, that that that, that, yes, that 2005 England won by a a millimetre, 2009 by a centimetre, 2013 the two drawn tests Australia would have won. The first test they only lost by a fraction. They should have won in the um, the one at Durham. Should have been four one to Australia in 2013. Um, and 2015 was three two. At the same time, we've had five nil, five nil, four nil, and four nil, and the 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 fictional 2010 11 Ashes. <laughs> no, the, the twenty the twenty one twenty two was a fictional one, wasn't it? According to Stuart Broad. <laughs> Look, I I can see Australia winning. Yeah. I can see Australia winning. I can see England winning. What one thing I've found with you you your Australia side is you don't like. It's like the old Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a, a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, how are you <laughs> going to feel when you get punched in the face? That's, that's what I'm interested. That's what I'm interested to see. And I actually <laughs> think this team is pretty resilient under, under Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins. Like they lack tactical nouts. They can do some very silly things. But sometimes, you know, if you're a bit dumb, it's easy to be resilient. And I think they kind of get that, like, what about um, what about the scars? One of the things that I always used to hear about was the scars. You know, Nasser is saying saying he didn't want players in the dressing room who were scarred from their defeats against Australia in the past. And I know you've always beaten us, or certainly have for the last ten years or so at home. But what about the scars? You know, is there going to be a lot? Is there going to be a feeling from oh here we go again when David Warner nicks off to Stuart Broad? Oh, absolutely. Or... Well, that's the thing. That's why I say if it's like cloudy and overcast and Australia's, mm. you know, four for 30 at lunch, then all of a sudden everyone's looking at each other in the dressing room. Um, so, so I think that is a, a genuine concern. Like if Anderson gets on a roll and conditions um, suit him, you know, you got left-hander, left-hander at the top, Kawaja, Warner. So Broad and Anderson will be pretty confident against them. And then you've got the Rocks, Smith and Labashane. But then, you know, Head and Green are sort of unknown quantities. I mean, Green's never played a series over in England. Head's in fine form and I think will do well. But there is an opening, you're right, if, if, if you know, a few batting collapses start getting in there. But I just think it's going to be one of those series where both teams at certain stages will get the wobbles with the bat. Uh, which is one of the reasons why Bairstow's in there. Because one of the, one of the problems England have got is is essentially there, they do have a tail, you know. So having Bairstow coming in at seven is, it it does make sense. It makes it it does make huge sense. But yeah, I mean, I think um, I can I can see I can see pretty much I can see everything. Or oh, the only thing mm. I can't see, can I see, can I see, I can see results. Can't see, okay, I can't see too many draws. Yeah, I no, can't see okay. results. Unless they're absolute belters, um, and, and then it's 500 players, 500. But I, I can't see that. Um, what about, about, what about is... um, sorry, what about the spin? Where, how do you see Nathan Lyon? Because from, you know, he's, it's, it's not like age is, is a really a problem, but certainly his effectiveness against England diminished as the series went on. I haven't had a look at the, the scorecards, but I've got a feeling that, he really was a problem. He was um, he was a problem at the start of the series, and less so as it went on. The England players certainly, I think they were starting to play him on the back foot rather than the front foot, and they realised that, that that was a better way to go about things. Obviously, you've just had the India series where you've got a couple of no- young guys coming through. 
Um, and then we've got Jack Leach, who again is another interesting character in the way his de- his development nowhere near as su- as successful um, as um, Nathan Lyon. Different types of bowlers, of course. But what kind of role do you think? What, what, what kind of role do you think Nathan Lyon's going to be playing in this series? Paul, do you want to take I've this got, one? Being head of the, back fan club? the back catalogue of this. If you go back to listen to the back catalogue of this podcast, I've I've often been quite critical of him because I'm such a sort of a fiend for figures, and I just think that no one's forcing you to bowl off spin. Um, so if you can't average under thirty, I just sometimes think um, I'd rather pick another quick. But I would say I think that actually Lyon's probably in the best form of his career. Um, I think he's bowling now as well as he has ever has ever bowled. So I'm I've come to terms with him being in the side. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I guess, John, the big difference now is there's a genuine contender for the second spot with that young Todd Murphy, the off-spinner that debuted in India. He, mm. You know, he he's made for Test cricket. He's early 20s. He's the complete package. He really impressed everyone over there. So I guess if what you're, or you're talking about comes to pass in the first couple of tests and Lions' effectiveness is diminished more so than in the last series, we've actually got someone that they'd be confident to bring in who could do the job. That'd be a big call though, wouldn't it? To drop Nathan Lyon. That's the thing. I think that there could be some big calls that are needed that we just talk about the Australian quicks as a sort of a lock of Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, and then and with Lyon as well. But um, as you said earlier, John, that there's been question marks over Hazelwood's fitness now for the first time in a while. Like up until the last couple mm-hmm. of years, he's been very robust but it's um that's changed a little bit um i, I as i said to, to manners earlier i I'd, I'd be getting nisa straight in there i, I think um i'd have nisa as one of the first quicks i'd pick in, in english conditions plus his batting um adds to it as well so i think it'd be interesting that they got the selections wrong in um in 2019 and they didn't play stark enough um I, i'd be tempted not to start with him though in the in the first test of the series and get nisa in there and boland um, obviously dependent on um, whether what, what the conditions are like. But um, I think Australia's selections of their bowlers are gonna, is going to be interesting. Yeah, that's a good shout. Because I think Siddle played four of the five, didn't he? Or something like that. But Nisa, Nisa's, yeah, he's basically providing the lower order ballast. I think he hit 84 again this week for Glamorgan, um, took eight wickets. And Sean Abbott as well, you know, as a Surrey boy watching he is. And show. a top, top guy as well. Speaking to Gareth Batty about him, um, he was saying he's such a positive influence in the dressing room. That's not a name. Gareth Batty's not a name drop. Sorry. Okay. Rob Key was was barely, Rob Key was like just there. Well, you know, okay, fair enough. I'll I'll try and do better for the next one. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's a kind of a, that's a big difference, isn't it, between the two sides that you've got Nisa and Abbott called into Way your squad. Wings, yeah. We've had Cass ruled out with injury, with Archer ruled out with injury, Ollie Stone ruled out with injury, Anderson pulling up with a little a little niggle as well. Um, could that prove to be the difference come that fourth or fifth test? All right, now, John, I know we're running out of time, so I've just got one question to end this. Five nil England. Oh, yeah, not, not a prediction. Um, <laughs> you know, this is probably, well, you know, who, which of the England players are going to retire at the end of the summer? Because I think as Australian fans, obviously, you know, there's part parts of me that's really just, just hates Jimmy Anderson. But I do also want to embrace, you know, this will clearly be his last summer and will Broad follow him out the door? Great question. Um, Got to it I by mean, the that, end. Took a while. They, 
they're, <laughs> they're keeping this, this stuff very close to their chest. I almost feel that it's more likelihood of Stuart Broad walking away than Jimmy Anderson. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's going to be hard. I mean, say it's say it's 2-2 with one to play um, at the Oval or 2-1 up with one to play, England, that is. And you can't beat... You know, I was there when Ambrose and Walsh walked away from the game at the Oval. It is the ground where you kind of do it. I mean, well, well, it's like Anderson, the SCG here. Yeah, exactly. I was at uh, the SCG when Warren McGrath and and Langer did the same thing. Mm. You know, and that was I was back there in two thousand and eight, I think, with Gilchrist's final series. Um, I mean, you, next year I think we got Sri Lanka and West Indies. You know, if you're gonna go out. That's when you go out, isn't it? I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if both of those bowlers decide to walk out if England win. The other, um, any other players in there? I mean, for you guys, I suppose David Warner. You know, there's, mm. there's feeling that, that this might be his last series, come what may as well. There's a possibility is there anybody else in there? There is a possibility. Do you? Uh, so, so you feel it's all on the World Test Championship final? Is it? Is it down to him to score to get a score of note there? Otherwise, he's dropped. That's the conventional thinking here. I'm not sure whether that's true, but that is what that is pretty much what people are saying, which seems a strange thing to base a, Ash's yeah, um, does seem a bit uh, decision weird. on. But I, I think there's a feeling that, as you said before, that um, when Broad comes on to him, uh, he's just likely to nick off, whereas that India aren't that same threat. And, that, and there's also, and I think this is strange, but there's a feeling that he's earned his spot in the final of the World Test Championship because he's part of the side that's got Australia to there, which that's a noble sentiment, but I think you should just pick your best 11, whether he's in it or not, it should be, that, that should be um, irrelevant. But yeah. it seems as though uh, if he went into the World Test Championship final and got a pair, then um, he might never play for Australia again in Test cricket. Well, that would be a shame. As much as I've enjoyed watching him and hated him at the same breath you know that's what sports about isn't it and you could I'll, I'll be surprised to be honest unless it really is a, a wretched old pair i think if you get picked for that it's your only warm-up at the end of the day otherwise you're going to drop david warner and bring in who would it be who is you marcus harris that's the marcus problem harris. that's the man and he didn't do particularly you. well four years ago either yeah uh, give me the choice of um all of the alternatives and I think I'd rather Warner um, without any um, any shadow of a doubt. Uh, I think he's a the potential upside of Warner is 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 higher than the potential upside of the others. But just one other point you mentioned: it is sad that this is the first ever um, Ashes tour that there's not a single county game. It's kind of... have to leave it there. He yeah, well, he's dropped off right mid sentence. It is sad that there's no county games. Well, John, look. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, it has been great to talk to you again. Um, oh, mate, thank you for thank you for uh, inviting me. It, it, we were just saying how sad it is that there's no county games as you dropped off. Well, I mean, it is a shame, but that's that's the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, and which is another which is another reason why you'd think if Warner's in the first eleven for the World Test Championship final, he's going to be in the eleven for because otherwise, what cricket would Marcus Harris have played? Well, he's over playing over in England, but but I guess I mean the thing is oh, yeah. Australia could change the squad after two tests. That's the yeah. thing. So anyway, look, let's wrap this up. It's been a, a lovely precursor to the Ashes with one of the good friends of the show. So 
if you're looking for another cricket podcast, uh, <laughs> it's following on on yep. um, TalkSport. Um, John Norman, also Neil Manthorpe, friend of the show, Steve Harmison, so um, often Check in my rotation out. to listen to. Uh, but, yeah, John, thanks for joining me. Great stuff. Anytime, guys. And uh, uh, as I say, cannot wait for this series. But uh, if Australia do find themselves 2-1 up, 3-1 up, maybe if they even win it, um, just don't message me. I definitely will be. I definitely (laughs) will be. (laughs) Thanks, John. Thanks, John. This is a Piccolo podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.